This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? Week is winding down. Oh, the temperature. You know, fall was last week. <laughs> Which was interesting because it was a hot week we had here last week, but I just was looking at the calendar and I realized, wow, we've stepped into fall. We're like about two weeks in at this point. Uh, For me, fall is very much rooted in East Coast. uh, What would you call it? Because for me, fall is is what I used to experience in New York and Philadelphia, which is where I'm from. And there was the leaves changed. I mean, I'm on the West Coast now. and We don't we don't have any signs of fall, I guess is what I'm talking about, like the natural world's demonstration of the change of season doesn't exist at least where I am on the on the west coast it's just kind of always sunny and warm and then the temperatures the temperatures might drop but looking out at the natural world there isn't any shift or change where on the east coast you can notice it powerfully not only does it snow <laughs> I mean, that's a huge demonstration of like winter but the fall was such a beautiful time the weather changed. You could smell a difference in the air. The air was colder. The leaves started to change colors and fall. It was, it's really beautiful. And there's a lot of rituals, you know, raking the leaves and jumping in them, uh, going f- apple picking. There's just these things that don't exist over here. Even things like apple cider. When would you drink that on the West Coast? So it was funny when I hear people talk about seasons because my life here, I, it's just ongoing summer. Anywho, I don't know why that was really impactful for me, but it was. I I like the cooler weather. So hope you are all enjoying your fall, whatever that means. Halloween's coming. Excited for that. You know, we will be talking about how uh, we can still have the holidays this year. They're just going to still maybe be a little bit different. I'm still following a lot of social distancing. uh, Not ready to really jump back into crowds. Nonetheless, let's spend a little time talking about this really powerful T word called trust something I've been doing some research on because it's a word we sling around and working with individuals and couples who have had trust broken or never really had it, or they're trying to rebuild it because of trauma being, you know, different betrayals and letdowns. It's something that kind of is in the air. And I think it's an important thing to really understand. What is this word that, that is so powerful. It's the most important thing in a relationship, but what is it and how do we get it? What maintains it? And there's a lot of really robust research looking at that. But I want to start by just really highlighting and drawing a circle around the word that without trust, you don't have what I would call a true relationship. Does that not mean that there are people in your life of different kinds and and, and levels of trust? Sure. But for, for me, if the trust is not there, then you don't emotionally or psychologically have relationship. And that's what means the most to me is the mental health component of it. And so sit with that heavy response because that for some people is going to kind of disrupt or maybe build some anxiety because people might be in a deep friendship, uh, close to a family member, even married or seriously dating someone who they realize like, I don't trust them. And we've talked about this on the show before where you really do have to break down the distinction between is it that I struggle to trust or is it that these people are not worthy of trust? And there is a big distinction between the two. Healthy individuals have to be aware of what their work is, what their traumas are, so as to know if it's them, and that's not shaming or pathologizing, if you know that you don't trust, but that there are a lot of people in your life that are worthy of trust, well, then that helps locate what needs to happen next, which is you not acting from that lack of trust. You're not running people out of your life because of your need to constantly get your jealousy 
removed or reduced or some of the tactics you might utilize as a way to try to get that trust. It's an internal job. Or you are in relationships of different kinds of people that have demonstrated that they aren't worthy of your trust. And then that's reasonable. But the answer to that is if they're truly not worthy of trust, you shouldn't be in a relationship to them because you don't psychologically and emotionally have one anyway. You spend time around them. You are in proximity to them, but you don't actually have a relationship because psychologically speaking, what is required to have a true relationship is trust. And that's what I've had to say in a really hard way to some couples. You don't actually have a relationship. Yes, you're married. Yes, you live together. Maybe you have kids, but you don't have a true relationship. There is no trust. And there's a lot of ways, macro and little micro ways that we might demonstrate that. And so we're going to kind of talk about some of that tonight because all of this, if I had to give a statement, a soundbite that best communicates trust, it's this question, are you there for me? Do I believe that you're there for me? Have you demonstrated that you're there for me? Because that is the core part of trust is knowing that this person's there for you in deeper intellectual, psychological, academic terms. It's rooted in attachment theory. And we would basically be saying, as we're saying that, are you a safe haven for me to go to when I need care and support in difficult times? And are you a secure base from which I can go off into the world full of confidence with your support and motivation to go explore and do the things I need to do? And those are the center points. And what requires us to be able to go out into the world with confidence and know that there's someone to come to if we have difficult times is this question, are you there for me? And that, that's how you know who you trust. Who, who do you believe is there for you? Who do you go to when in you're in difficult times? That shows you who you trust the most, at least emotionally and psychologically. And for me, those are the most important qualities of a relationship. We're gonna take a little break when we come back and keep talking about trust. So uh, stick around, you're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris, Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. All right, we're back and we're talking about trust and really just highlighting excuse me, on the front end, how important it is to have that, to be able to really call something a true relationship. And for those that you spend the most amount of time around, it's, it's mandated. Otherwise, you're never going to feel comfortable or healthy around them, and your mental health will be impacted. To be constantly relating to, especially if we're living with them or close to them with someone who you don't think is worthy of trust, that is not going to help your self-esteem. That's not going to help your mental health. It's not going to make you able to go out into the world and do what you got to do. I see it so beautifully played out with people in primary relationships when they're sitting in my office clinically and they're saying, I had a fight with my partner or so, you know, or best friend last night. And they'll say, I don't feel good today. Well, that's, that's, there it is because that lack of trust, that lack of closeness, that lack of relationality that symbolically exists, even when you're not with them, we need that to be able to go out into our day. And when that's not there, it feels weak and it's really hard to get through our day. That's a natural process. And we have that as children and into our adulthood. We need to know that the people that are supposed to be there for us are there for us. And as adults, we can do what we call symbolizing. It's called object constancy, where we know that that person still exists even when they're not with us. And we hold them in our mind symbolically. We can think about them and smile. As adults, we can go off to the we can go out to the office or whatever it is out with our friends, and we know that our partner or our close friends are still there, even if they're not actually with us, because we symbolize them. We we connect with them in our mind. 
That's also part of what we can do with grief and loss. When someone has left us physically, we can still spend time with them symbolically, and that can provide some of that closeness and comfort. And I think people need to use more of that, but that's a different topic for another day. But for human relationships in real time, right here, tangibly, material, objectively, we need to have that, are you there for me? That's the trust question. So ask yourself that. For the people that you're supposed to be able to rely upon, when you ask, do I believe that they're there for me? Your answer really shows whether or not you trust them. And one of the centralized way, and I'm gonna talk about some of these more diffuse ways, even though the little ways are what really fester and, and erode at trust or build it up, one of the larger, most centralized ways to do that is, you know, you build trust by being there for them, they'll be there for you. So that's one entry point. But also, we trust people when we are shown that they consider us. And that goes back to, are you there for me? They consider us. When they're saying things or doing things, they consider the impact it'll have on us. And that's how trust is built. In romantic relationships, it's when they move into a we and an us and not always thinking or living in terms of I and me. Uh, really good couples and marital therapists will tell you that they know it's a huge red flag when they're working with a couple and one of them or both of them is always talking about I and me and I need this and they're never saying, this is what we need. This is what we're doing. This is how it impacts us. This is what we're thinking. We want to hear we and us. And if they're not doing that, it's a massive red flag. And it might be a sign that this relationship either never truly was in true psychological terms, because true commitment is that shifting into us and we thinking. That's what true commitment looks like. True commitment means you're no longer thinking about just I and me. It's, it's a regressive merger that as adults we need to have. That's safety. That's trust. So when I don't hear that in a conversation... I know that that person's avoidant possibly, maybe narcissistic, but bigger than that, I know that they're not in a real relationship. And I know that the person listening is obviously not feeling like they have trust because this person's demonstrating that they can't be trusted. And again, when we talk about trust, I'm talking about the psychological and emotional. I'm not talking about, will they steal your wallet? That's a different version of trust. I'm talking about, are they psychologically there for me when I need them? Are they considering me? Are we actually in a relationship? And that's those, those are the qualities that determine that. So think about that. Do you always think about you only, or do you think about us as a, you know, as a collective, you and your partner? That's part of that trust building, the impact, that consideration of that. And that's what, do, that's what really breeds and builds that are you there for me. It's emotional attunement. That's another word you can use. Because think about it. When you're with someone, but yet you don't feel like they're with you, trust isn't built. But we will get to this, but there are ways that we can work on building this for those that are worthy of having it built with them. But before we get there, just know that trust is bigger than, than the, the standard ways we think about. A lot of people only in relationships think about trust as in, will you cheat on me? And it's just this monogocentric perspective, but it's like trust is far bigger than that. And if we really trust someone, we won't ever even have to ask that question. So if you're thinking about trust as to, oh my gosh, I'm wondering and worrying about them cheating on me or not, you're deeper in a lack of trust. Because if we have trust, we don't even consider such a thing. And the work isn't about making sure they don't cheat or policing them. You have to come back, you have to slow down. You have to do the trust building 101 because you haven't even done that. You've gotten way too far along because it's bigger than that. So that's a sign you've gone way too far with someone that you don't trust if that's what you're always worrying about being cheated on. Because we, what about the emotional, psychological, the basics? Those must never have been there. Let's go back to those basics. Do you feel like they're there for you? Do, you? do the two of you talk about we and us? Are you psychologically truly in a relationship? Start there. Like whether or not someone's cheating on you is like something that is, 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 is you've drifted way too far away from this concept of trust. Trust is also a balance of power. We trust people where we know that there's mutuality. We each have, uh, we each can impact each other. We each have equal amount of power. And that's when it gets a little funky in opposite sexed hetero relationships where a lot of people get into relationships that are hetero and they backslide and they let the masculine dominant male person make the decisions and lead things. Well, healthy relationships, psychologically, everyone has the same amount of power. Psychology doesn't care about gender norms and gender roles. Those are things that we made up and we socialize ourselves into. But psychology just cares about, do you feel like you have control and power over yourself and your relationship? And does your partner support that? Because if we're always feeling like we're submitting to someone or someone has control over us, that does not breed trust. That's not what trust is about. So trust is a balance of power. 
Trust is knowing that someone's loyal to you and they don't betray you and haven't, which means that they have your back even when you're not around. That's part of trust. Do you believe that they have your back? Do you believe that you have equal power? These are the basics. Do they consider you in their decision-making? We got to take a break. We'll be back. We'll keep talking about this. But in the meantime, if you've got a question for us, topic you want covered, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Always open. Love to hear from you. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. All right. We're back. We're talking about trust tonight. Can be a little bit of an unsettling topic because some people might be realizing that they haven't really accrued that or built that with someone. Um, so that's hard to recognize, but use this topic as a way to really assess what do we have. Now, listen, here's the caveat, the disclaimer. For people that are in casual relationships, none of this applies. That's a whole different model. This is what I'm really talking about is people that are in true committed relationships to friends, family members, or family members or primary romantic partnerships, right? Those are the ones that mandate the things I'm talking about. But both people have to be on the same page. If you're in a casual relationship with someone and they want something casual, none of these things are necessarily going to directly apply because some of the things we're talking about that are required for trust and building trust are also part of what are built into having a primary attached relationship, what I call true commitment. Casual relationships don't fall under the heading of what I call true commitment because they're not supposed to necessarily be your one go-to all the time. They're not necessarily trying to create a safe base and a safe haven, meaning support you going off into the world and being there for you in all difficult times. The whole part of casualness is to not have as much responsibility and accountability. And they're possibly you know, putting focus on a lot of other things, a lot of competing priorities. So that's a whole different rubric. I'm talking about when we're someone's true best friend or you know, this is our primary partnership, we're exclusively dating, we're committed, we're married, whatever it is. True commitment is I can trust you. True commitment is you're my person I can go to. True commitment is I believe that you're there for me. True, commi true commitment is a balance of power, it's loyalty. That's not necessarily going to be there in a casual relationship. Casual relationships, people aren't considering necessarily power dynamics because it's not that close. It's not that consistent. They're not focusing on reliability because here's the terms that you want to try to build in if you want a true committed relationship and are what are required for us to feel safe to start the process of trust. And it is consistency, reliability, availability, and responsiveness. And casual relationships are the opposite of that. They don't necessarily want to talk or hear from you every day. They want the space to take hours to get back to you. They're, they're letting you know you're not their primary. But if we're trying to build a primary relationship, we expect consistency, reliability, availability, and more importantly, responsiveness. We believe you're there for us. But that has to be something both parties are signing off on. So it's kind of like when people talk about defining the relationship, when someone says, hey, do you want to be monogamous? Do you want to be exclusive? That's essentially what they're asking. Can I count on you to be a primary? Can I start to really look at these factors of trust and let myself truly attach? And you can't do that and shouldn't do that if someone's wanting something casual, but you need to be able to talk about it to know what the expectations are upon you and upon them and upon their relationship. I think some people think they're in a more committed relationship than they are, and that's why their needs aren't met and they're disappointed, and the other person might be very confused or never having wanted to give you that. We have to talk about things. That's why I'm not a fan of anyone making assumptions like, oh, it's been three months, or it's been six months, or blah, blah, blah. No, you have to talk it out always. Don't assume you're committed. Don't assume you're monogamous. Don't assume anything. As adults, we have to sit down and say, are you looking for a truly committed adult relationship? Can I trust and count on you being there for me? And that is evidenced by starting to talk about we and us. We've become a unit. We've fused and merged. Listen, y'all aren't going to like hearing this, but I'm here to drop truth. There's a lot of books out there. Esther Perel's book, Mating Captivity. Her whole theory is wrong. We've proven it for decades in attachment theory that we don't need distance. We need closeness and we need trust. We need commitment. That's what we need. And so there's a lot of books out there that are very popular, but their theories are way off and they're way wrong. And it's actually reinforcing avoidance and anxiety. And some people are being pathologized that shouldn't be. And it's putting people on a track moving in the wrong direction. So I don't support that work. I support the work of, you know, Gottman and attachment theory and emotionally focused therapy and all these things that are like, we have to learn how to be more relational. I'm always trying to tell people that we don't need to work on being more single. We got that down pat. We have to work on being better, you know, sons and daughters and, and better siblings and better colleagues and better neighbors and better loved ones and better sex partners. We have to work on our relational selves. 
those we are not doing well with, as evidenced by everything we're seeing going on, as evidenced by people really feeling bad about the dating process. The fact that people don't feel good about dating and the dating process and dating apps is a sign of our lack of relational health, right? That is that. So we have to be aware of what's happening and what we can expect and what we can count on. And so we have to not expect to build this primary, trusting, true, committed relationship with someone who's looking for something casual. And there's nothing wrong with casual. I'm not shaming casual. There's a definite place for that. When you're not looking for anything serious, when you don't feel as though that person can provide what you need in a primary, but you still enjoy them, when maybe you're healthy enough to realize you're struggling with your relationship to drugs or alcohol or mental health, and you're not gonna be, or you don't have what it takes to be good for someone, or a partner to someone, then you do you know, see them only casually. Because that's mental health. Recognizing what you can provide for this person. It, we, we often think too much on what can they provide for me, which is our consumerist capitalist idea. What's in it for me? But relationship is what's in it for us? How do we each impact each other? And part of that is saying, like, I am going to impact them. Am I healthy enough to be brought into someone's life? Or should I keep it very casual? Or should I maybe not step into someone's life at all? because of what that will mean. Like really assess yourself. What, we, what will this person be up against in you being brought into their life? That's in there. All right, we're gonna take a break. We're gonna do some DMs and then we'll come back and keep talking about trust. So stick around, DMs always open. If you got a DM for us, drop it in Loveline IG page and uh, then we'll be back talking about trust. So uh, stick around. Listen to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. All right, we're back. Now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. So it says, hey, Dr. Chris, I'm actually pretty mad at my family. They say they accept me for who I am. I've come out as bisexual, but over the weekend, we had cousins come over, and I was the butt of every joke. How can I let them know this isn't a joke? It's something I've actually struggled with for years. Bam. So let me start broad outside of this topic and then I'll empathize more. This first comment's gonna sound non-empathetic, but I'm being broad. Uh, some people work through acceptance of difficult things with humor, but we have to use it in an appropriate way that doesn't make the person feel bad. Humor that makes someone feel bad isn't humor, it's called violence, it's called psychological abuse. It's why when comedians are like, what, we can't make fun of people anymore? Yes, that's right. We're not gonna sit there and laugh at you psychologically punching down and abusing an uh, you know, oppressed, marginalized person or anyone. That's not funny, uh, that's not humor. Humor doesn't make people feel bad. Humor is a higher level coping mechanism to work through, but we have to all feel safe and be in on it. So I like when people get to a place of joking, but we have to all be comfortable and not use it as a weapon. Humor isn't a weapon. And when it's weaponized, we're not talking about humor anymore. I'm sorry. Um, you have to share it with them. You're going to have to tell them. That's the answer. Hey, it, it, I'm not at a place where that feels funny to me. I'm still working on getting confident in it. And uh, the world's harsh for sexual minorities, especially bisexuals. People don't think it's real and it's a lie. And you have to tell them. You have to help them understand what's going on for you. Because I'm hoping they're very caring, empathetic people and they just didn't realize. And I'm hoping they just thought that you were more confident and could take that joke. But let them know that it was painful. And if they, you know, again, when we tell someone that something they did makes us uncomfortable or hurts us, everything they say next tells us whether or not we can be in a relationship with them. The best answer should always be, I'm sorry to hear that. I wouldn't want to make you feel bad. Of course I won't do that again. But anything other than that isn't acceptable. If someone says, take a joke, we didn't mean it, and they go in the defensive, that's not kind. That's not what this is about. If someone tells you you did something that hurt them, your intent doesn't matter. You hurt them. It's like if you drive over someone's toe, it doesn't matter whether or not you meant to do it. I believe you get out of the car and you're like, oh my God, are you okay? Right, because the impact matters. If I bump into someone and spill my coffee on them, I'm like, sorry, I didn't mean it. And I walk out of the coffee shop. I'm like, oh my God, I didn't mean to do that. I'm really sorry. Are you okay? And I help clean it up. I know that impact matters. It's not just intent. And so what they meant with the joking doesn't matter as much as what did the joking create. And it created some harm. So just, I want them to clean it up. You have to let them know that though. Because apparently I'm hoping they're good people and so they assumed it was okay. Now, if they're bad people and they do it to hurt you, well, then you really shouldn't be around them. And this is where you realize that. And so bring it to them. Let them know. And when we tell people things, sometimes we have to let them know that. Like, hey, this is where I'm at with it. I'm working through it. Still learning to feel confident in it. Just letting you all know. Um, so, but there's a lesson for all of us in that. Just because someone tells us something doesn't mean they're at a place where they're confident we can kind of bring humor to it. They might be sharing it with us as a step towards feeling safe. And for people that are of different 
identities, the world isn't always safe. And it's really hard for white cis hetero people, you know, to always understand that, that if you're not white, if you're not cis, if you're not hetero, that you've been raised in a world that still makes that violent. People still get murdered around the world for being trans and gay. Still. There are places where it's illegal. Still. It's not safe. There are still neighborhoods here where you will get bottles thrown at your head or beat up for demonstrating anything other than straightness. So know that, or being cis. It's a very traumatic world, an unsafe world still for people that are gender non-conforming, gender you know, non-binary, trans, whatever, whatever the words are, non-cis is still difficult. Non-straight is still very difficult. So know that. And so just kid glove that a little bit. When someone tells you something personal or vulnerable, we want to kid glove that. We want to protect it. We don't want to use it as a way to maybe make them feel less than, especially if it's around something that the world still does that. So just say thank you and be kind. But yes, to the you know question, to the person who wrote this question, you're gonna have to let your family know how that impacted you. But that's intimacy building. I want you to have that skill set to be able to turn to people that you care about and say, hey, that felt really bad. Even if it's years later, hey, I wanted to go back to something that happened a long time ago. It's still been on my mind and I want to feel safe with you. So that time when you said this thing, it made me feel really bad. Hear my tone of voice. It's a very safe tone of voice. Hear my word choice. It's just trying to start dialogue. And I want us to all be able to have that with people we're in close relationships with, right? That's like the bare bones of relationality is having access to that, having that be familiar, having them care when we say that. Because we learn a lot about what should happen next with us based on how they handle that. All right, so we're going to take a little break. When we come back, we're going to keep talking about trust. So stick around. Uh, past episodes over at wearechannelq.com. Though to check out old shows. Stick around, though. You're listening to Loveline. Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. Stick around. All right, y'all. We are back. Talking about trust. And there's a lot in this. And this might be or might have been a hard, you know, segment or evening for some people to be a part of because we're really kind of calling out some truth that we sometimes expect more than what this person wants to give us relationally. And they might want something casual. We're wanting something more close and serious. And uh, it's okay to recognize we're on two different pages. But don't try, as they say, to get blood from a stone. Don't try to get water from an empty well. Don't try to get more care and commitment from someone who doesn't want to have that kind of relationship with you for whatever reason. And if you want that, go find that. There's a lot of people that do want a true adult attached relationship. And that means working on trust. That means moving into us and we. That means, are you there for me? I'm looking for you to be a primary attachment figure. And that means I need to be able to count on you. Knowing you're there lets me go off into the world more confident. Knowing you're there lets me know that if I have a difficult time, there's someone I can count on, that I can rely upon, lean on. We need that. If it's not a romantic primary partner, we need it in other attachment figures such as close friends or family members, but we need to have them in our lives. These are the things that make us better. Relationships are what make us more resilient. Relationships are what help us heal trauma. Trauma work is all centered around relationships. And without realizing it, we're doing that every time we're working on being better and in healthier relationships, we're doing trauma work on ourselves. Because our relational work, aka our mental health work, is handed to us by our early environment, but also every relationship after that. Some theories think that we spend our adult lives looking to date someone like our parents. That's not true. Every relationship since then has shifted and changed who we are and what we need. So that was a starting point, but it doesn't remain untouched or unchanged. And in fact, we're relying a lot on our implicit memory system, our amygdala. Memory is constantly being changed. We can't count on memory, but yet we trust it because we see it in our head. So of course we trust what we see. It would be it would be you know psychotic for us to move through the world not trust what we see in our head and what we remember, but we can't trust memory. That's the kick. We can't trust memory. Studies show that we can implant false memories in people. Memories uh, are always being changed by every experience we have after that experience. Memory is also dictated by the mood we're in when we're recalling a memory. If we're in a bad mood, we recall more negative memories and the negative attributes of a memory, which is very different if you ask me the same thing a day later when I'm in a great mood. I'll really see it in a more positive way with a positive perspective. And the memory will change if you ask me about the same story every couple years. Based on all these new experiences, our brains are always updating. And when we recall a memory, it doesn't come from this one solid place in our mind. Any memory is being pulled together from different parts of your brain. And a lot changes in that recollection and reconstitution of memory. But our attachment system, our internal working model on how we see others in the world is also always in motion and changing. And that's why we have to be very careful and thoughtful about the people we spend time around because they're part of co-creating that narrative that we have internally 
that helps us decide how we see others in the world. So we want to be around people that are always helping us rebuild the sense of we can trust others as evidenced by I've spent time with people worthy of trust. And that's why this word is so important. We can't do our healing naturally if we're continuing to be a part of relationships that are relationships of deprivation or ones that aren't worthy of trust. And so that's the key word. Only spend time around people you can trust. And I want people to keep thinking in these terms, are the primary people in my life, people that I believe when I ask this question, are they there for me? That the answer is yes. Do they consider me? Do they think about their impact on me? Do I think about my impact on them? That's important. So let's look at some of the qualities that are what help us see trustworthiness in others, or sadly, the lack thereof. First one is, are they honest? Don't be in relationships with people that aren't honest, which means are they deceptive to you or to others? Please, if you see someone being deceptive to others, that shows that they are deceptive. They will most likely also be that way with you. Yes, things are co-created. Yes, we can be one way with certain people and not with others, but we're talking globally about trustworthiness. And you wanna be with people that are honest. That, and I don't mean honest as in they tell it like it is. That's not honesty, that's harshness, that's not kind. We can still be honest people, which means when we open our mouths, whatever comes out is honest, but healthy people also realize we don't always need what need, we don't always need to say everything. We don't need to tell someone we don't like their hair. That's not honesty, that's rudeness. The better thing would be is to say nothing. So honesty isn't you always say what you're thinking. Honesty is that I'm saying something, you can trust what it is that's coming out of my mouth. There's a huge distinction. Honesty is about not being deceptive and not telling someone you don't like their hair isn't being deceptive, it's kind. It's a very different entry point. Also transparency, trustworthiness is built with transparency. People that let us know where they're at. The healthiest thing is for friends and family members and loved ones to say, hey, let me let you know how it feels to be in your life right now. It's been a really hard week. You seem very stressed. It's been hard for me to be with you. Is everything okay? That's a part of transparency or letting people know what we're thinking, what we're needing, what's going on for us, what our plans are, what we're hoping for, how we feel, not just out of the blue dumping someone or getting divorced. We let them know all along the way how we're feeling and the temperature of things. So I don't want to say that trustworthiness is about transparency, which means always being an open book, but it means that they do share. We feel part of their life. We know what's going on in, the, in their life. We know the people in their life. That's the transparency I'm talking about. They let you know where they're going and who they're going with. Not, of, not out of anxiety, not out of power, but out of just they want you to know what's going on in their life and vice versa. There's like a care to it, a participation. That's why I use the word sharing. We're allowed to have boundaries and privacy, but trust is built on sharing, bringing people into our lives, bringing our lives to them. Without that, we don't feel like we know someone. We don't feel close to someone. So we want to be part of relationships with people that, like I said, are honest, but also transparent. All right, let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll keep breaking down and talking about trust because it's probably one of the most important psychological things to have between two people. All right, you're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. All right, we're back. We're talking about trust. That's the most important thing in a relationship you're going to have to anyone. And I really advise us staying away from people that we don't think are worthy of trust. It'll not be good for you. It will not help you heal the trauma of those you couldn't trust in the past. It won't help you build a new internal working model, which means the internal dialogue and belief system that there are good people and that relationships feel good and that we can trust others. We want to start to be around people that reinforce that and that help us believe that and see that. So trustworthiness in others is about honesty. It's also about transparency, which means they share. They share their life with us. They let us know who they are, where they are. They let us know we meet their friends. We, we hear about their hobbies. We learn about their jobs. We need sharing to feel like we know someone. It's not enough to just be around them. And I see a lot of couples where they're just about proximity. As long as we're near, as long as we're near each other, we're good. I see them sitting at coffee shops in silence. They're happy they're near each other. That's great. But trust isn't built when they're not sharing. Tell, tell each other about your day. Tell each other what you're thinking as you're wandering, your eyes are wandering around the coffee shop, right? That's the transparency we're talking about. Just bringing them into our thought process. That helps us feel like we know someone and that they'll let us know what we need to know because that's what that's about. If you share with me, then I'll trust you'll share with me the things that are important that I need to know about. But if you always withhold, well, I'll have to assume you're gonna withhold that as well and I'll never really know what's going on with us. The next one, that was honesty, that was transparency, is accountability. Trust is, part, is rooted in accountability. Do they say what they say they're going to do? Can we count on that? If they say, I'm gonna pick the kids up at school, are, are they accountable? Do they do what they say? If they say they're going to be somewhere at certain times, do they show up? Accountability is important. We have to trust that what someone tells us is the truth and that that is what's going to happen. 
That's, that's, that's a big one. So if you're constantly letting people down, you're not building trust with them. Trustworthiness is I, if I say something, I'm going to do it. So for people that are always letting others down, work on being more worthy of trust, but also maybe work on not making promises you can't keep because without realizing it, you're eroding at trust. If you're always running late, if you're always forgetting, you might think it's not that big of a deal because it isn't to you, but the other person's realizing I can't trust them. I'm going to have to anxiously follow up and, and say, did you do this? Like that's exhausting to follow up with someone because that means they don't trust you. And people that are always asking a lot of questions or going through your phone, it's because maybe you're not transparent enough, which was the earlier point, and you're not sharing. And so they're feeling as though they have to force their way in. But instead of going through someone's phone, really acknowledge, I don't have a trustworthy relationship. I don't have a partner who at least is transparent or shares with me. Sit down and talk about that. Hey, I often feel compelled to go through your phone. I'm realizing it's because you don't share anything with me. Can we work on having a more transparent relationship? And can I, and so that I, I know what's going on and I know who you are. And then I don't feel as though I have to like, be emotionally abusive and have no boundaries and go through your stuff. That's never okay, but it's a symptom of something. Look at the true cause of that and solve that because always going through someone's stuff isn't an ongoing solution. It's a symptom of, I don't trust them and I need to, or they're not worthy of trust. They're not accountable. They're not transparent. Work on bringing those qualities in. What's something else we have to think about? Another part of trustworthiness is ethics. Do they have good standards and ethics? If they don't, you'll never trust them. And that came out a lot of politics. People saw, you know, others supporting Trump and being racist and homophobic. Well, those aren't good ethics. Those aren't good standards. And understandably, they're like, I can't trust them. If they think that certain people don't have human rights or aren't worthy as being seen as humans, I can't feel safe with them at all. And I, and I agree with that. I can't feel safe around people that think some people have conditional worth as humans, that sex workers don't have rights, gay people don't have rights, trans people don't have rights. That means you're kind of on the, so you're kind of sociopathic. You think some humans aren't worthy of empathy and respect. That's sociopathy, a hundred percent textbook. And so I can't trust people that make decisions based on who is worth and value that I have to be around people that I know think everyone is worth and value and treats everyone kindly. That's how I have trust. Cause then I know I can bring them around my friends. Then I know I'm safe around them, but people, you know what I mean? So ethics matter. You can't feel safe being married to a friends with someone who has bad ethics. I'm sorry. And it's not about making things political. It's about understanding that politics are tied to ethics and politics are how we learn about people's ethics. A hundred percent. We learn what people's value system is through their politics, what they support and what they don't support. And that's a huge part of trust. If someone said they hate gay people, I will never feel safe around them. If I hear people say that only people have right to healthcare, people with jobs, I can't feel safe around them. Everyone has a right to healthcare. People without homes on the street have rights. They have a right to get their needs met. Drug addicts, I don't even use that word. People that have problematic relationship to drugs and alcohol that are chronic, they have rights and worth. We shouldn't be mocking them and making jokes about them or putting them down. So that's where ethics comes in and politics are tied to that. And the only people that seem to have a problem with that are the ones that have problematic politics, so check it. And then another final piece that's what really builds trustworthiness in others is what we call alliance building. And that means that you believe that they're on your side. Now, if someone has no problem name calling, they're not on your side to your face because dear God, what might they be saying behind your back? Because alliance, which means they're on your side, means that when you're not with them, you would trust and believe that they would still speak kindly of you. And that if someone else didn't, that they would stand up for you. That's alliance building. But you definitely don't have that if they have no problem cutting you down and, and mocking you to your face. You're in an abusive relationship and you should leave immediately. The minute someone starts name calling or mocking, they become abusive and it's time to go. It's definitely time to put the brakes on it and to get it, do some work, set some boundaries. But if that doesn't work, it's time to go. It's very toxic for our entire system, right? Because our physical mental health is based on the health of those people we're in primary relationships with. They impact our blood pressure, our heart rate, our hormone releasing, our ability to sleep, our immune system. That's how, that's how much we interconnect with those. Our nervous systems hook. They're built to hook onto other people's nervous systems, as are, as are our brains. That's why we can co-regulate. That's why people can make us feel certain ways. That's why we're at our best when we're around people that care for us. But those qualities are necessary. Honesty, transparency, accountability, ethics, and alliance building. So work on those things. That's the best part about it. I just told you where the work is. If you feel like you don't have a trustworthy relationship, be on their side more. Share your ethics. Be accountable and do what you say you're going to do. Be transparent and share more about your life with them. And finally, be honest and not deceptive. 
and maybe bring those qualities to your partner and say, can we work on these things? I feel like these might be lacking. All right, we're going to take a little break, and then we're going to come back and finish up our discussion on trust. Listen to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, y'all, we are back, and we're just finishing up our discussion on trust because it's one of the most important things for mental health. We have to have people in our lives that we trust. And more importantly, we have to have trust with those that we are in close relationship to, especially if they're our primary attachment figure, which means someone we have true commitment with. And we can have attachment figures that are non-romantic, that are people we're very close with. And early in the show, we were talking about how that's about balance of power. It's about loyalty. It's about knowing that they consider their impact on us. It's about us and, and we thinking, moving away from I and me. It's about knowing the answer to this question. Are, do I believe that they're there for me? Are you there for me? That, that question answers whether or not you trust someone. And the qualities of trustworthiness, we said, were honesty, transparency, accountability, ethics, and alliance building, right? Honesty is that they're not deceptive to us or others. That helps us trust. They're transparent. They share. They share about their lives. We know who's in their life. We know what they do. It's not like, I don't mean that in terms of a policing tactic, just in terms of they share their day with us, their lives. Then it's accountability. They do what they say they're going to do. They follow through. Ethics. They have good standards. And finally, alliance building. We believe that they're on our side, whether they're with us or not, whether we're hearing what they're saying or not. We trust that they have our back. Those are how we build trustworthiness. And there's a few zingers I'll throw out there. They cherish us in our relationship. They don't trash it. So if you're with someone who's always saying, putting the relationship down or putting you down, they're trashing you, not cherishing you. That's also abusive. Time to go. Also, they have gratefulness versus resentment. If you're in a relationship with someone you resent, work on it or get out. You're going to make yourselves miserable. Work on gratefulness. We'll talk more about that. And also not comparing your current relationship to other relationships. That's a sign you're not committed. That means you have one foot out the door. Put both feet in the door or please go. We want to be only with people that want to be with us. And we have to check ourselves and check them. If they seem like they're comparing you know, other possible relationships, bam. But gratefulness is a big one. We have to work on that. So we're going to quickly cover that right now. So what are the elements that we want to center our relationship in so as to really build a secure, safe relationship full of trust? First one is intimacy building. These are the daily things you can do. And that means ask questions and track. Ask them about their day. Ask them what's going on in their life. And then have follow-up questions, tracking what's going on. That's a way to be a participant in their life. That's how we feel close and secure and we build trust. That's intimacy. Also, fondness and, and, and admiration compliment each other. Instead of sharing all the things you don't like, work on sharing the things you do like. Compliment each other as much as possible based on true things. Things they say or do that make you feel good, tell them. Even if it was yesterday, hey, last night I was thinking about what you said. It made me feel good all day. Compliment and share. Gratitude. Express gratitude for your partner. This is how we build healthy relationships, not criticisms, gratitude. Catch them doing things that made you happy and feel good and tell them. And then finally, turning towards them. When they try to make a connection to you, hear them. Put your phone down and listen to them. Don't dis ignore them. Don't dismiss them. Don't give them divided attention. It's a human being. You're trying to build a secure relationship. Put your darn phone down. Put the TV on pause and turn to them when they talk to you. Participate in what they're saying. That is trust building. That's closeness and connection. Also, work on repairing things. It doesn't matter who started the problem. All adults are open to repairing if the relationship's important to them. Sometimes the other partner is struggling and not able to be the one to do that. Step in and do it. Another big one, and this really shows up most powerfully in heterosexual couples, a balance of power. I don't care what your gender is. I don't care if you're the man or the woman. Everyone needs to feel as though they have an equal amount of power. That is a part of healthy relationship, period. So empower your partner and make sure you empower yourselves. Everyone's opinion should have the same amount of weight. Everyone's thoughts and feelings should have the same amount of weight. If not, you're not in a healthy relationship. It might even be abusive, but you're definitely not in a secure one and you're definitely not in one that has trust. Because if we don't think our opinion matters or as much as the other person's, we can't trust them or the relationship. So really sit with that. That's really, really, really hard because some of these things are really showing people where the cracks are in their relationship and how they need to be better. But that's a good thing because then we can work on it. But yeah, sure, sometimes relationships have been too damaged and they've gone on for too long and we can't necessarily fix it or bring it back. That's something as adults we just have to acknowledge, deal with, and face. But those are the things we're trying to work on. There are things we can do. But this has to be done in the right relationships. Not everyone wants a serious, committed relationship. Some people, like we said, want something casual. There's a place for that. But you can't have those expectations on them then. 
And that's what we need to know. And that's why when people define the relationship, they're really saying, can I count on you? Can I trust that you want to be a secure primary attachment figure? Can I trust that you're someone I can go to and that will meet all these criteria? Because the reason why some people want casual is they don't want that kind of responsibility and accountability. And that's okay. They have, they have, they already have some primary figures in their life, socially or otherwise. But you're going to get very frustrated if you're trying to build that or seek that with someone who isn't trying to do that as well. And so that's why we both have to be in the same place. And that's why it's really hard to find committed relationships. It's about time and place. It's about both people wanting the same thing. It's about certain important levels of compatibility. We can't force this stuff. And so some of it is realizing it's time to move on because they don't want what I want or they're not able or willing to do this work. It's tough, but we have to realize that. And then we can go seek that. But just first start by assessing yourself because I want to make sure you're doing these things or you're not doing some of these things because it's a feedback loop. And what we do impacts how our partners feel about us in the relationship and what they do, right? It's also how some infidelities happen. We, we're part of creating a relationship that no one really thinks is worth protecting or taking care of, you know? All right, we're going to take a little break and then we're going to come back and slide in those DMs. So stick around. You're listening to Loveline. Dr. Chris, Channel Q and Odyssey will be back. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. All right, y'all, we are back, and now it is time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Hey, Dr. Chris, I'm finding that me and my partner are getting into a lot more arguments. Now that that lockdowns are shifting, I'm afraid our relationship might not make it. Just feel bad when we aren't, uh, I feel bad, and as bad as it sounds, when we aren't on top of each other all the time, the better we do. Yeah, some couples are like that. They don't deal well with a lot of the ongoing issues, but that's part of relationality, right, is encountering a lot of different things. How are we during conflict? How are we during stress? That matters, because life's gonna throw that at you again. So I want you to at least be doing like a C plus or B minus at it, but you're right. Relationships feel better when we can have time alone. We can go out and do the things we like to do when life feels good, right? We're out there having fun, engaging our friends and our hobbies and all of that. So understandably, our relationship might not feel as great when the world feels flat, our lives feel flat, and then we're just sitting there with each other all day long or all around the clock with no novelty or newness and time apart. That feels flat. But for those that can't create that space yet, you have to steal it somehow. You know, go take long baths with the door closed. Go in the back bedroom, close the door and read a book. Go for a drive. Go for a walk. Go sit outside with a cup of coffee or a cup of tea. Go visit a friend outdoors, six feet apart. FaceTime someone. There's ways we can build in space and distance while still being with them. But also try to add some newness and novelty. If we do familiar, consistent things, it can feel boring and we can transfer and project that onto our partner. So make sure you're always doing things with your partner that are fun so that you'll see that relationship is fun. Every night can't be a blockbuster night where we're just sitting on the couch in our sweatpants watching a movie. That's boring and that will make each other feel boring. We have to still be going out in the world and doing things. Go hiking, go for a walk, go to the beach, go to a town nearby, go window shopping, go get ice cream, go do something. You have to still keep that relationship feeling active and alive. I'll bet you, you can still participate in some of your alone time hobbies or start one lovingly letting your partner know this is one you know here's this thing I always wanted to go do but still spend time alone with friends right we don't want to make our relationship our only thing but then not really add any joy or fun to it but then wonder why it feels very stifling and boring to us we have to keep that dynamic fun and fresh and the world opening up is going to naturally interject some of that so I still appreciate that these questions are still in existence because we still don't really have our lives back in the ways we did and might never. I don't know what's going on with this virus. I know I'm still not participating in group things or indoor things. It's not safe. I don't want to get sick. So I know that a lot of people are still feeling that way as well. I'm working with a lot of clients that still are not feeling confident going out in the world, but I get it. You know, California is doing great numbers wise, but great doesn't, let me say different. We're doing I don't know how to say it because people are still dying. People are still getting infected. People are still not getting vaccinated. So you know, there's not a lot of greatness in that, but the numbers are lower. So that's a positive, but what's going on in the world and in our lives is going to be part of the temperature that our relationship's going to have. So 
Got to give it its best. I know what that's like, though. But that's why I always tell people, stay in the courtship cycle. Still keep attracting and romance and flirting, keeping it fun. I was, so I tell people that in the beginning, too. Keep going out into the world together as much as you can. Don't get too comfortable always hanging out at home because it starts to bring too much consistency and too much familiarity. And we do need some of that newness and novelty. That's why dates are good. Still go on dates. Keep dating the person you're in a romantic relationship with. That's how we keep feeling things. That's how we keep things feeling fun and fresh. So it's little tweaks. I think that's what I like about this. The answer is just like little tweaks. Time alone, novel, new, fun time together, and trying to participate in some of the things in the ways that we can. Um, good luck with that, though. I don't want all the relationships to fall apart. I think we saw a spike where things were close because people were quarantining together. Then things went on too long and relationships were falling apart. Then it seemed to kind of balance out. And I'm not exactly sure where we are. We have to take the temperature, I think, later in the year. But hopefully that's kind of balanced itself out as things have shifted a little bit. We're going to find out. I definitely have to look at the stats of the numbers on the dating apps and singledom because we were in the highest rate of singledom, so that's still kind of going strong. But anywho, if you got a question for us, drop it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Topics you want covered, something you want us to drop deeper into, we got you covered. And as always, past episodes are over at wearechannelq.com. Spend this weekend doing as much self-care as possible. Easy, fun things, tons of joy and pleasure. Take your relationship out into the world somehow, right? Give it a little bit of a fresh air, breath of fresh air, as they say, I guess shine some uh, sunlight on it. We have fall here. It doesn't really feel like fall over on this coast. If you got fall, get out there and enjoy it. Anyway, be kind to yourselves. Be kind to those around you. As always, y'all, thanks for hanging out. And y'all enjoy the rest of your night. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just down. Download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey.